Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fans. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by our good friends at ESPN 730 AM. We're on at com. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson and joined by Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. How are you, Justin? I'm all smiles. My Tar Heels won. Duke mm-hmm. loss, no sure. complaints. Yeah, college basketball—that's a thing. That's happening, right? I'm too—I I tell you—I'm too engrossed in in this win streak in Hornets basketball to pay too much attention to college basketball. I know that may make me—you may define that as like a bad basketball fan, but it just—it is what it is. I'll, I'll catch up. I, I'm going to play. I'm going to do like Charles Barkley and just have a cram session at some point and just get ready. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of college basketball as a whole. I don't really think it's that good of a product, but I'm a diehard North Carolina Tar Heels fan. So I get my ACC fix hey, yeah. in and I watch my Tar Heels, but it, the rest of the country, I have no time for yeah, it. Yeah, it's my alma mater, and, and I definitely watched a few games here and there. I know some names, but I'm not going to pretend to be able to analyze it. Uh, coming up on the show, we've got Adi Joseph from SportingNews.com. He'll be in, uh, or he'll be on the Hive Talk Live hotline. We're going to do a standings check. We'll not only tell you where the Hornets are in the standings, but we're going to check in with some of the other teams in this tight Eastern Conference playoff race. We'll also preview the next matchup Friday night, Hornets-Pistons. We'll tell you what you need to know about the Detroit Pistons, a team fighting for their playoff lives. It should be a fun game. Also, Marvin Williams got mic'd up the other night by Fox Sports, so we'll We'll talk about that. Oh, that should that should be good. Yeah, and, and also we'll hear from uh, Frank Kaminsky. He he joined the guys uh, from the Pulse and had some interesting things to say on the rookie wall, on Kimball Walker, on what he's learned from Marvin and Big Al. Great interview. That's coming up in just a moment. First of all, before we get into the show, I want to say a special message about iTunes review. So we're on iTunes. We do this show live on Blog Talk Radio, but then it goes to iTunes. And uh, we're just going to ask uh, if, if everyone could please go and give us a, a review, give us a comment. It, it helps. It's not for our narcissism, uh, but it does help us in the iTunes rankings. It, please it, do. It knocks our show up a little bit, and maybe some fans of the NBA or fans of the Charlotte Hornets can find us that may not know we exist yet. You know, it's, it's nothing wrong with showing a little appreciation. Is that too much to ask? Well, I mean, you know, I, I just it, it would help. That's all I'm saying. Hey so if you have a chance, just Show real quick, else. head over to iTunes, search for Hive Talk Live, give us a five-star review. And with that, we say 
Let's Swarm Charlotte. First up on the docket, Hornets hosted the New Orleans Pelicans and uh, beat them. Beat the New Orleans Pelicans 122-113. That's a lot of points in regulation, Justin. Kimba had 35 of those points, extending his streak of 30-point games to four, tying Glenn Rice's franchise record. Courtney Lee had his best game since joining the team before the trade deadline, notching 16 points and six boards. The Pelicans didn't make it easy on the Hornets, especially Phenom Anthony Davis and his favorite backcourt player, Drew Holiday, who combined for 78 of the Pelicans' 113 points. Head coach Steve Clifford, though, he's been around the block a time or two. He seemed all right with it. Our offense was really good. Um, and, you know, sometimes in this league you got two talented guys and they got going. They made a lot of good shots. So it's a, it's a good win and uh, important win. And then hopefully we can come back on Friday and, uh, and play well. All right, you heard it from the big dog, Justin. He said, that's a good win. What say you? Well, there's no such thing as a bad win. <laughs> I will say that. So whenever you come out victorious, that's always something to be proud about. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I have you know, I think I've come down a little bit, um, DB. You have uh, made me kind of ease it a little bit because I – Damn, I gotta stop. I gotta stop talking to you pre-show. I, 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 want, you know, I want you on fire. Yeah, I want you up the tree. Know, I gotta so, quit. So I've mellowed out a little bit <laughs> oh, no. um, because when I watched the game, you know, there were times where I thought Charlotte should have run away with it. You know, they're in this stretch of three and four nights where they're in a critical part of the season, making that playoff push and rest is important. So I figured, you know, they'll they'll easily they'll either kind of put it away late second quarter or come out hot to third, and that was not the case. But um, one good thing about in the presser, Clifford was saying that. You know, whenever they were in the huddle, guys were saying, you know, we, we got to keep going. We, we got to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. And every win is not going to be pretty. I've learned that over watching the NBA for years. And every win is important at this point. Charlotte got the W. They're riding the winning streak and, and all as well. But, you know, the defense, it'll it'll need some work. But, you know, I, I guess you make some points about Drew Holiday. But I tell you what, Drew Holiday should not score. How many did he score? 35, 38? That's way too much for Drew Holiday. 20, 25? Cool. 30-plus? Way too much. Yeah, 13 for 23 from the floor, uh, 38 points for Drew Holiday. And before the show, we were talking about Drew Holiday. And I I think he was just – he was at that all-star caliber level of point guard when he was in Philadelphia. And then that situation turned sour. And Drew dealt with some injury issues, kind of got his his career off track. And then you haven't heard a lot about him this year because the Pelicans decided it was in their best interest to play Drew off of the bench because – New Orleans, not a deep team, but they thought they may have had a, a chance at a playoff spot. Now they're looking to the future. Drew Holiday starting. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday play really, really well together in the limited opportunities that they had. And so you saw that over an entire game against the Hornets, and they were just ruthless with those pick and rolls. And you have to pick, you know, when, when Holiday and Anthony Davis get into multiple pick and roll situations on the same possession, you know, you're forced to make split second decision after split second decision. And unfortunately for stretches in the game, the Hornets could, couldn't make the right decisions. And, and so that's where it happened. But I didn't think on the whole that they played a bad defensive game. And certainly in the fourth quarter when it mattered, and we've seen this over the course of the, of the past couple of games, they've had spotty defensive stretches, but in the fourth quarter, they've, they've come up with, a series of stops that they needed to get back in the lead and stay in the lead. 
and they've gotten to the line in the fourth quarter. And I think that's important uh, because, you know, you want to be able to manufacture offense in the fourth quarter if your shooting dries up. And we we kind of saw that in the last two games, the, the shooting dried up for the Hornets in the fourth quarter, but they were able, Kemba, Jeremy Lin, got to the line in that fourth quarter, sustained the offense long enough to come out with the victory. And winning is difficult in the NBA. And it winning is. five games in a row is nothing. Look, I don't care who you're playing. Again, we just saw the Suns win two in a row against some pretty good competition. Uh, and the Lakers beat the Warriors. I mean, this is – there is – Plenty. There were plenty of opportunities over the past five games for the Hornets to drop one of these. I agree. And and in a tight Eastern Conference race, when the Hawks are winning, when the Pistons are winning, the Bulls are winning, you know, these victories are important. And I think that's why Clifford said that because, you know, obviously there were some issues that they're going to look at. The the problem is, and Clifford alluded to this in his uh, post game. The problem is with these defensive lapses, there's just not a lot of practice time. You kind of have to figure these things out on the fly. And so that will be interesting to see, you know, if they can get these things solved before, you know, late April. I have a question for you. Okay. Hit me. You know, we're in, they're in a playoff push. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that should have been somewhat figured out by now? You weren't ready for that one. Boom. No, I was plenty ready. Boom. I, I think ideally you, you wanted to be ready, but injuries to key players happen for the Hornets. And so – you know, you, you, you put your plans together and they, they turn the roster completely over. They, they, you know, completely switch the bed sheets. I'd give you a C plus. All right, whatever. <laughs> it's a bad hey, thing, right? Well, what, what grade would you give to Kimba for that shimmy that he hit? You know what? You see one of these? I do consider myself these? a poor man's Chris Brown without the woman beating. And, oh, God. you know, um, I thought Kimba did a good job. You know, I've, I've, I've done the shimmy a few times myself and when I saw Kimba do it. I had to give him a few claps. He had two thumbs up for me. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up for the shimmy. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought, you know, you don't see it takes a five-game winning streak. It takes it takes Kimba having, what, a 35-plus in PER over the past five games, a.k.a. the beginning of March. It takes all of that to get Kimba to show a little yeah, he, a little swagger on the know, court he because he's a humble a guy. He's he a is. humble guy. He don't and really he's a focused guy. And yeah, but I think, you know, Charlotte's ready. They've, they've dealt with Cam Newton for the past couple of seasons and, and everyone seems to be somewhat okay with, with a guy, you know, being exuberant and, and, and saying, you know, I like winning and I'm going to say I like like winning. I really, really enjoyed that moment because we've talked about this multiple times when they were playing well and they were struggling that they were, they were so confident and, you know, to see them putting some wins together at a crucial time and to see, Kimba show a little personality. I thought that was nice. All right, let's go to the Hive Talk Live hotline. Standing by our good friend from SportingNews.com, Adi Joseph. Adi, how are you, my friend? I am good. How are you guys? Good. So the the Hornets get another win, five in a row for the Hornets, five in March to start March. A perfect start for the Hornets. What what do you see? Why why have they been able to put this stretch together uh, here in the Eastern Conference? You know, it's it's basically a team just playing. Everything's clicking all at once for them, and and uh, and I know you guys are talking about Kemba, but he's in particular is obviously carrying a huge load right now. Uh, Courtney Lee has started to mesh, and last night was really the first good game with the Hornets, like where he 
showed what he can do. And it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of guys clicking right now. Al Jefferson has been fantastic lately. And I think the best way to explain it is this is the culmination of what Steve Clifford and Rich show and Michael Jordan built this team to be. This is the offense. And certainly last night in particular, they did not play the defense that they want to, but this is the offense that they envisioned when they said, we're going to go a true four out one in. We're going to, you know, run a lot more pick and rolls. We're going to have Al doing different things inside. Uh, That's what they're doing right now. It's really working. You mentioned Courtney Lee, 16.6 rebounds. It's the first kind of offensive game we've seen from him. What made him successful against the Pelicans? And should fans expect to see that kind of production from Courtney Lee in the future? You know, it's, it's all a cycle and it's what it is, is, you know, adding Nick Batum took some playmaking off Kemba's plate and, and made defenses pay attention to a new player. So Batum his very presence, even when he's not making his shots, which seems to be like a 50-50 night-in, night-out thing for him, you know, even when he's not making his shots, he's opening the floor, and he's opening up Kemba for better shots. Now you have Batum and Kemba, a guy like Courtney Lee who's coming from Memphis, a place where, you know, he didn't have really anywhere near as much perimeter help, uh, other threats to shoot. He's now just finding himself, like last night, he was often wide open. And I think they're going to find that, and, and Courtney's going to find, that he's getting a lot more space on his three-pointer than he's used to. So let's go back to Kimball Walker for a moment. And I want to ask you a, a very, this is a, a very open-ended question, but one that David asked uh, during the Hive O'Clock Alarm this morning. What happens when, uh, or or if, I don't know, if, Kimball Walker decides not to score 30 points. Uh, how do you think this offense is going to react? And this, this question is especially important because they have to play the Detroit Pistons on, on Friday night, and, and Detroit has a, a competent defense. Yeah, Detroit is one of the best point guard defenders in the league, and, and uh, their, their shooting guard, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who typically almost, almost night in, night out guards the opponent's best perimeter scorer. And so you can imagine it's going to be a pretty simple assignment. Stan Van Gundy's just going to drop Caldwell Pope right onto Kemba and say smother him and, and um, know that Kemba regularly has gone against someone that good. Uh, there's not that many people that good. He deserves to be all NBA, all defense. Um, you know, when that happened, we saw it in Atlanta, and that wasn't good. You know, he scored nine points, every, I believe, every other game in his last 15 or so, he's, he's hit 20, and, and he scored nine points against Atlanta, and they lost. That's, that's an issue. They're going to have to push the ball inside and have Al Jefferson keep, prevent Andre Drummond from helping on penetration. They're going to have to have a lot from Marvin Williams, which I don't think they necessarily like relying on, but this is one of those games where the matchups are going to be a little more favorable for Marvin and it's going to happen more often than I think they'd they'd like, especially come the playoffs where teams are going to focus so much on Kemba that other guys are going to have to step up. Yeah, it's interesting. We've seen teams key in on Nicholas Batum, and we've seen teams double 
Al Jefferson, but really Atlanta is the only team that comes to mind when I try to think of teams that have really tried to key in on what Kemba brings offensively. So it'll be interesting to see what Detroit does. We're here with Adi Joseph from SportingNews.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Adi Joseph. Adi, we've got a question in from Twitter, and it involves Kemba Walker's backup, Jeremy Lin. Uh, Bill asks, what's up with Lin's shot being so bad? He's still playing well, though. What do you think about Jeremy Lin? He, he has struggled to shoot the ball uh, here in, in the month of March and, and into the late February as well. What's going on with Jeremy Lin? Jer- Jeremy, at one point, you know, well, so first of all, you know, I don't know if this is widely known, but it's certainly been written about that um, Jeremy Lin kind of remade his shot this season. And for a stretch there, it was going in. In December, I believe, he was really hot. Uh, he's had some struggles with it. I talked with him in February about it. Uh, basically, he was sticking with the new shot, and can't, he, he was struggling to figure out why that's still an issue. Um, the best thing I can say is he's, he is still making an impact. Their, their best lineups often have Lynn, Kemba, and Batum out there. Um, they, you know having three ball handlers, three playmakers on the court can be a, a big advantage for any team, but it's been really good that Lynn has been able to make an impact with Kemba because the way Kemba's playing, he wouldn't see the court otherwise. So, right. you know, what you see is with, with Jeremy, you get a really interesting, unique player who's playing more off the ball now. I mean, even when he played shooting guard next to Patrick Beverly in Houston, he was still on the ball because Beverly is more of an off-guard point guard. Um, Now he's learning how to be an off-the-ball player. The big thing that just needs to happen, he needs to click in on his shot because you're right. I mean, he he had a minor injury, I believe, in late December, and ever since then his shot has not quite been right, especially from three-point range. Here with Adi Joseph from SportingNews.com. Adi, last question. We'll get you out of here. As you look across the Eastern Conference playoff landscape, the Hornets sit a half game behind Atlanta, really a game behind with the uh, tiebreaker, and, and of course Miami sitting a, another game above them. How, I mean, how high can the Hornets go at this point? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really – legitimate question at this point. I mean, number four seed does not seem impossible by any stretch. And a lot of it is going to just come down to simply right now they're the hottest team in the East. Are, can they keep that up? Can Kemba keep this up? Those are the, those are the questions. But I, I certainly will say that they have put themselves in a position where not making the playoffs would be a heartbreaker. And that's not something that I thought would be possible, you know, even a couple of weeks ago when Michael Kidd Gilchrist went down, but certainly in, in January, at a certain point in January when they were down to like 10th, it, it did not seem like, like they'd ever be this comfortably into the playoffs. And that, that's a, a credit to Steve Clifford. That's a credit to Kemba Walker. And it's a credit to all the role players too. Um, you know, that they've overachieved, I think. Well, Nate Silver currently has them with a 98% chance to make the playoffs, but he also had uh, Hillary Clinton with a like a 99% chance to win Michigan. So you never know. <laughs> I like that. That was good. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dottie, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Yeah, definitely.
Adi Joseph from SportingNews.com. You can follow him on Twitter at A-D-I Joseph. I love the stuff there about Lynn, and I think it's kind of with the shot, you know, and, and, and what Audie was saying about, you know, he, he changed his shot this season, tried to remake it, and, and at first it was successful, and then something went awry, and we don't know exactly what that something is. But I think that's kind of a trend in sports. Uh, I uh, Tiger Woods immediately comes to mind when he switched his swing at first – it seemed like, oh, my God, he switched his swing and, and he won. And, and obviously injuries played an issue in, in what happened next, but we saw the swing kind of fall apart. And I feel like, I, just anecdotally, I feel like sometimes when we're playing, you know, rec league or ping pong or whatever, and you just try something a little new, and at first it's like, yeah, just the change, you know, mentally you're like, yes, I'm better because I changed. And then as you, you know, progress and get into a long stretch – it kind of falls apart. So it's an interesting thing. And I, you know, and then you, you don't, what you don't want to do, I think is try to remake it again because you get into kind of a spiral of, you know, you can't ever, you, sometimes you have to let those things ride out, make small little adjustments and just work on maybe getting your confidence back and, and just what, you know, in practice, seeing the ball go in the hoop and then translating that into the game. It's funny, I, I was listening to, and we'll get to more of this uh, in the Pistons preview, but I was listening to Andre Drummond on Chris Mannix's uh, vertical podcast, and he talked about how he's a really good free throw shooter in practice, but he can't translate it to the game. And I, I think maybe the shot's the same way. You know, you, you remake your shot, you practice it over and over and over again, and then you get into game situations and something, something happens. And, and it's probably less definable. It's just, it's a situation where he, he's got to figure it out and get on a little bit of a run. It does. It's, it's almost similar, not to the duration, but it's almost like, um, like Marcus Page. Um, he's been having a, 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 a rough shooting year for UNC. And Jones Angel was actually on uh, the station the other day, well, last week. And he was saying, you know, Marcus, he, he can't miss in practice. Now, he doesn't miss a thing. And when he gets into the game, you know, he's shooting it the exact same way. But for some odd reason, it's just not falling. And when was the last time the Hornets had practice? I believe it was Tuesday. Today is today's Thursday. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of um, – Lynn was one of the guys getting extra shots up. And I think he knows. Like, he, he saw the ball go through the net. I mean, he knows he can get it back going. I think the the hardest part I think is just mental. I think you just have to be able to just tell yourself to yeah. to stick with it. And as long as your confidence doesn't sink, I think you eventually be able to shoot out of it. I don't. I don't and the really reason too much the reason concern. I would say that I don't. I hope it's not, and, and I I don't think it is because we still see him making good decisions and, and and good impact on the game away from shooting. So he's getting, like I said, he got to the free throw line in that fourth quarter in the beginning of the fourth quarter of that Pelicans game. And it got, I think it got the Hornets rolling, and then the starters came in and finished it out. And you know he's he's making good rebounds from the the point guard and the off guard position, and so he's finding ways to make an impact. And, and those are the kind of little things. And you talk about Marvin Williams being a glue guy and doing those little things, but there are bench players, role players that are doing little things that are allowing the success of Kemba Walker 
to, you know, it all combines together to equal a win because we've seen this team throw away good individual performances, not only from Kimba, but Al and Nick. You have to have those little things go well, even from players that are struggling with a major part of their game, like Jeremy Lin and his three-pointer. You know, one thing about Jeremy Lin, usually, you know, as you watch some guards and they get to the hole maybe because they're just quicker or, you know, they have a crafty handle. I watch Hornets games, and, like, if you watch Jeremy Lin, he's not, like, a, a really quick guy, but he lives in the paint. Like, I've heard Clifford say it, and, and I've watched him, and I've agreed. And actually the other night, I was like, yo, he – I mean, and he doesn't just get in the paint. Like, he gets deep in the paint, whether he can create, he can get fouled, he can get the layup. It, well, it's really impressive. There's two things. I think he's I think he's quick. I think he has a quick first step. But two things that impressed me about his ability to get to the paint are his aggressiveness in transition, and the Hornets are playing at a much faster pace he than they have it. all season. And a lot of that has to do with Kemba and Lynn pushing the ball. So, yes, aggressiveness and also his ability to create separation while he's in the air with his arm, with his hand, creating that separation so that he can finish easy, so that the defender cannot affect his ability to finish. And he had a great play in uh, in the New Orleans game when he basically hit the brakes. I don't know if Holiday or Douglas was defending – but he made one of those cats hit the brakes and slide back. And then, then, you know, uh, Lynn was wide open for, you know, kind of a mid-range post look. So, you know, it's those kind of crafty things. And, again, I think you have to do those kind of things when you're in a shooting slump. The worst thing that you want to do in a a shooting slump is just lean back and try to fight your way out of it. It's like quicksand. You know, you don't want to. You don't. If you're in a shooting slump, you don't want to shoot ten shots. No. You want to watch the ball go in the hoop because Most that important. confidence is going to translate into your shot. And you know, he's just got to stay with it. And, and I don't think that Jeremy Jeremy Lin's been through so much in his career. He's you know been through so many different situations and so many challenging situations that I highly doubt that a shooting slump is going to crumple hey, his confidence. Hey, if you can survive New York, you can survive anything. No, and listen, if if a shooting slump of this kind is going to happen best it happened when Kimba Walker is playing this well oh yeah because again Kimba's going to cool off at some point he Man, can't it's keep, gonna happen he can't keep a 35 PER for the next month and a half that'd be outrageous <laughs> it'd be nice now it'd mean, be nice. I'm not saying I don't want it I'm just saying you know so uh you know I think hopefully the timing and a lot of I always say this you know especially late season and into the playoffs so much of of a team's success depends on when when certain guys cool off, can other guys step up? It's all about timing. And, you know, it helps. Timing is greatly helped by having more talent. Because <laughs> if I you agree, have three or 100%. four players that are all-stars, then your your chances of that happening are much more likely. But uh, I, I think hopefully you know, some of these guys that are in slumps uh, can can break out when, when the hot guys are, you know, moving towards the cool side. So, um Let's get to this interview uh, with uh, Frank Kaminsky. He joined the guys from the Pulse on ESPN 730 with Chris Allison and Bobby Rosinski. And it was a great interview. He talked about Big Al. He talked about Kimba Walker. And and he answered this burning question. Did Frank Kaminsky hit the rookie wall earlier this season? Let's go to that. 
Frank Kaminsky joining us on the Pulse ESPN 730. Frank, February now on into March, and, and the streak that you guys are on uh, was such a good February despite the road games and, and now starting this seven-game homestand on the right track. What, what's been the key, do you think, to this spark for the team? Um, well, I think health has a part to do with it. I mean, I, I know we lost Mike um, again, but everyone else is back and healthy and settling into their roles and playing well. Uh, when we need him to, um, you know, we talked about before the season how we wanted to be a playoff team and we want to do something significant in the playoffs. So um, I think everyone's just taking a step forward in their in their roles and in their own games. It's been an interesting dynamic, too, without Jefferson's return, part of the health question that you talk about and having him come off the bench, sometimes match up against uh, the, uh, the, the the non-starting center for the opposing team. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of just the, what Big Al's added to the mix since his return? Uh, well, he gives us a post presence again. Um, in some of the games where our outside shots haven't been falling, um, you know, Al's really sparked us on the inside, and that really opens everything else up, uh, you know, for cutting, um, you know, spotting up, you know, just a bunch of different things that he brings about through the game, through his ability to be such a dominant low post player. Is there any conversations, Frank, with him on the bench as you guys now both uh, come off the bench at some point there in the first quarter? What's said there on the sidelines as you watch the starters play those first six minutes or so? Um, it kind of depends on how the flow of the game's going. Um, you know, if we kind of start off slow, Al's the vocal guy on the bench telling them, telling uh, you know all the guys on the bench that we got to go in and bring the energy. Um, you know, he's he's been in the league for so long, and he's such a good leader on this team that you know you really look up to him, and you know he really responds. In situations, I remember um, a few games ago when we weren't playing too, too particularly well, Al said, just throw the ball into the post and everyone cut. And I think on the next play, um, we threw the ball into the post and got a backdoor layup, and it really sparked our offense. So he's just seen so much and been through so much. He knows you know, how the game's going to go and what needs to happen. Frank Kaminsky here on the Pulse ESPN 730 Hornets and Pelicans tonight at Time Warner Cable Arena. And Frank, for you, 62 games. Uh, now played this season for this basketball team in college. You know, it's around 40 or so. You guys had the deep run last year to the championship game against Duke there at Wisconsin. Did you feel like there was a rookie wall this year? Have you passed that? What's it been like for you? Um, as I like to tell everyone, you know, I, I don't feel like I ran into the wall, uh, but I definitely tapped it. Um, <laughs> there was a point there in the season where, you know, my energy was getting a little bit low, uh, just getting tired way quicker than normal. Um, but I think that, all-star break really helped where I got to just, you know, relax and recover for, you know, like five days. And, and that's really, you know, helped me going forward. Chatting with Frank Kaminsky on ESPN 730. Frank, what, what is it like now 62 games in compared to, say, 10, 15, now when, uh, as you continue on through your rookie season? Does the game slow down and uh, you, you get, just get more and more comfortable with uh, what's out in front of you? Um, yeah, I'd say I'm very comfortable now. Um, you know, those first – you know, however many 20 games, you know, you're trying to find your routines um, and on many long road trips, uh, just trying to figure things out at once. It can be difficult, but now I've settled into my um, I know what day-to-day is going to look like, um, and I know how to prepare for the games better than I did then. So it's just been a lot easier as the season's gone on. Frank, what, what do you make of this Kimball Walker streak right now? Not only uh, three straight 30-point games, but his season has just been awesome. Uh, do you guys go over maybe before the game, rub his head a little bit for luck? And that guy's killing it. Um, you know, I just tell him all the time how much I look up to him and how much I want to be like him. Um, <laughs> you know, he's having a great season. He's been our leader the whole year. Um, you know, He's the heart and soul of our team. So um, we're going to keep you know, going to him and 
keep riding his hot hand. Well, like you say, heart and soul of the team, and I know it's more than just about going out and scoring 30 points. What, what else does uh, Kemba bring to the table when it, you know, when it involves leadership? I mean, he's a vocal leader. Uh, you know, he'll get on people. And when they're not doing their job, you know, he'll, he'll take on a lot of the responsibilities, you know, out on the court, um, you know, and he's also, you know, what I like to see in a leader, you know, he's also very hard on himself. Um, you know, he knows when he's not playing well, he knows when he needs to pick up his play. So uh, when you have a guy like that leading your team, you know, it just brings so much confidence to everyone else. Frank Kaminsky here on the Pulse ESPN at 7 to 30. And a guy that I'm sure you look up to throughout this season, Marvin Williams, who you kind of step in for when he gets a breather on the bench. Coach Clifford has nothing but huge things to say about Marvin for his work ethic in the off season and what he's meant to this team. For you, what's it been like having Mar- Marvin Williams kind of mentor for you here in the NBA? It has been awesome. Um, you know, he, he knows so many things. He knows where everybody's supposed to be on every play. He knows what his job is, uh, you know, at, at all times. Um, and he knows how to work. So, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work out with a guy like that and then and then go, you know, be his opposite in practice. So I can just learn so much from him. You know, I, I'm not afraid to ask him the answers. So um, it's just nice to have a vet like that in front of me who's been able to teach me so much in such a short amount of time. For, for you, Frank, you were one of many newcomers to this team. Were you surprised at how just everyone seemed to gel really well despite a lot of new faces to this basketball team? Yeah, there's a lot of great personalities on this team. Um, you know, I think we get along in a lot of different ways. Um, just just a lot of fun to be around these guys, you know, off the court and then on the court. Um, I think there's a lot of chemistry there. So it's just been, it's been good and it's been fun. Frank, you guys are so good at home. What – where does that advantage come from? How do you see it? You know, personally, you know, just home routines, just a whole different ball game. You're not sitting in a hotel all day. Um, you know, shoot around's a little bit different. Um, but I think for everyone, you know, we get to feed off our own home crowd. Um, you know, that's always a source of energy out on the court. So um, we've just been good here all year, and we take pride in defending our home court. Frank Kaminsky on The Pulse, ESPN 730 with Chris Allison and Bobby Rosinski. You can listen, of course, on ESPN 730 AM or on ESPN730.com. A lot of interesting stuff there, Justin. Uh, Frank mentioning the home crowd. We we joked before the, uh, before the show went live that uh, there was one moment in the New Orleans game where the fans were getting a little annoyed when New Orleans pulled uh, or, or tied the game and then went up one point and – they didn't boo, but they went. They were they groaned and then decided, all right, let's clap and let's get behind the team. It was a it was an interesting, it was an interesting crowd reaction. It was a hybrid reaction. And now who does who the Charlotte Hornets fans think they are? What? Like I heard that when I see they like didn't boo, like I see if Golden State or Cleveland they're playing pathetic basketball and they've been so good for so long, then you boo. But for a team who's battled injury and finally is getting better, you boo? No, they didn't boo. That's what I'm saying. That's well, why, I, why I'm impressed because normally crowds have two uh, two meters. It's either boo or cheer. And this was such a – oh, they was were almost, close. This was a <laughs> measured response. This was an intelligent, like, uh, okay, let's get behind you. Okay, we're, we're going to give you another chance. It was have just you, so weird. Matter of fact, speaking of dogs, have you ever told your, your dog to, like, stop doing something? And <laughs> they kind of – start talking about dogs? And they, like, kind of, like, like – like, 
prime example. I'm going to keep this real brief. I used to have a shih tzu. We'd bite Misty. And she kind of look at you and rumble like, <laughs> like, like she wanted to say something to her breath. And that's exactly what it reminded me of last night. They didn't just go out and boo, but they were like, mm, I don't know. But you know what, Charlotte? Appreciate your basketball team. They're working hard. That was a long-winded way of saying um, don't get a shih tzu. Uh, I love for, those dogs. Time for a standings check. Standings check. One, two, one, two. Where are the Hornets? Well, the Hornets sit in sixth place. Again, they're a half game behind Atlanta, but really a full game because of the tiebreaker. They also, they don't own the tiebreaker against the next uh, two teams in the standings, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. So they could make the climb, but they've got, you know, a tough road ahead, but they've got a favorable schedule. They Hawks do. have the toughest. Hornets have the easiest. So, if they do make that move, they they could make it, I think, over the Hawks. Let's check in with a few of the teams hanging around with the Hornets in the East. We'll start in Miami with the Heat. Will Bosch return after being diagnosed once again with blood clots? Bosch says he is blood clot free and ready to return to action, but the Heat seem very iffy on bringing him back if he shows any signs of health concerns. This is this is not like a joint injury or a broken bone. I mean, blood clots, you can't mess around with anything involving the heart. This could result in, in an on-court death if, if it were not you know, dealt with completely and properly. So I'm sure Miami and the NBA want to be double super ultra sure he's got a clean bill of health. You know, as a, as a fellow Cowboys fan, I always wish Bosch the best. I don't think it's something you rush back. I I really don't. Um, but you can see where Bosch is coming from because yeah, this he team is in the hunt. And and he definitely makes them better. like completely healthy. They're a really good basketball team. Taken to the with the addition of Joe Johnson, like they can be scary. Um, but if if I'm Charlotte, I'm hoping and praying Pat Riley and the gang say Chris as much as we want you to play. We, we, we're more concerned with your health at the moment right now, and we're gonna sit you. That would be the greatest thing for Charlotte but not so great for Miami. No, but I mean, you, again, I, I just think with the, with that kind of situation, it's such a – you can't mess around with it. And I know that's why Miami and, and the NBA are going to be extremely cautious and they want to make sure that it's 100% before Chris Bosh steps back out on the basketball court. Let's no move need. on to Atlanta. And look, the, the, the Hawks are hot too right now. The Hornets not the only team in the East on fire – but the Hawks are doing it with defense. It's a little opposite from the Hornets doing it with defense as opposed to offense and opposite of what the Hawks really did last season. I mean, all, a lot of the Hawks' success last season was predicated on ball movement and offense. This season, it's on defense. CBS sports writer Zach Harper profiled them in an article titled Forgotten, Supposedly Fraudulent Hawks Quietly Becoming Dangerous. Since January 1st, the Hawks are allowing 97 points per 100 possessions while holding opponents to just 30.8% from three-point range. Yeah, we, the Hornets saw that. That's better than the Golden State Warriors. That's better than the San Antonio Spurs. Harper goes on, people around the team are crediting the defense of the perimeter players being able to switch pick-and-roll coverages without giving up matchups inside, then being able to switch back to chase teams off the three-point line or aggressively contest shots. That's what's working. And again, it, it worked against the Hornets, they weren't able to overcome the ball pressure. I'll be interested to see what, as Adi alluded to, what they'll do with K- KCP and Reggie Jackson, how they'll approach the Hornets and how the Hornets will respond. You know, to be playing defense that well at this point in the season, 
you know that that's phenomenal. That and, and they game, had to because Kyle Korver has has had a huge drop yeah, off. They, yeah, like teams are are scoring one hundred five, one hundred eight. Almost you feel like every time you you look at the ticker at the bottom of your TV, somebody's scoring over a hundred. For them to be playing that well, that's really great. And the other night, Clifford said, "Hey, our defense is. I mean, excuse me, our offense is playing extremely well. The Hawks' defense um, is playing extremely well." And Granted, you know, the Hawks are playing phenomenal right now, but, you know, they have a tough stretch. So, you know, we're really going to see. We're going to see if the Hawks can hold up on defense and if the Hornets can continue to win winnable games. Yeah, it starts uh, tonight. They they play Toronto, number two first, seed. First test. So that'll be – and, yeah, you, you play Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, and, of course, the return of uh, DeMar Carroll uh, if he's able to play. Boston Celtics forward Evan Turner, always good for an amazing postgame quote, came through in the clutch again after their second-half comeback win versus Memphis. It's the subject of the latest installment in a new segment here on Hive Talk Live called, I Like That. Oh, I like that. Evan Turner gave an astute assessment of their predicament at halftime, saying, quote, if we didn't snap into a Slim Jim, it could have been a long game. Oh, yeah! Hey, listen, Turner. He, he, Evan Turner, seriously is the the best quote in the NBA right now. I, I have a couple. You want some more Turner classics from this season? Right, I, I, t- I want right, to. I don't hear care if you want them or not. I'm that. giving them to you. Oh, Here we right, go. Let, let's see him. This is Evan Turner on his New Year's resolution. He said, "I have a 27 years without getting arrested streak, so I want to keep that up." <laughs> on his birthday, he said, "Honestly, not to go too deep into it or be a hipster about it." But if you're going to be nice to me one day a year, my life sucks. <laughs> you know what? When you're in the NBA, nobody's life sucks. You know what, Evan? Calm down, Evan. Yeah, your life is, is fine. All right, That's what I'm saying. The last one here, uh, finally, on his poor three-point shooting, Evan Turner said, you've got to respect a 15% three-point shooter. A guy like that is always lethal. It's 15%, but it's a big 15%. <laughs> Huge. Look, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. That and was say actually that pretty funny. Evan Turner is the Donald J. Trump of the NBA. I will give him that. That, that <laughs> last 15%, one was good. But it's a big 15%. You know, that was a good one. <laughs> I, I had to tip my hat for that one. That, that was good stuff, Evan. That was good. That that was indeed good. All right, that was I Like That. We'll bring that segment back for sure. All right, let's move on to Chicago, the Bulls. Tell me if you've heard this one before, Justin. A Chicago Bulls all-star guard will get a second opinion on a possible re-injury. Yeah, we've heard that. Usually it's about Derrick Rose. This time it's Jimmy Butler, who returned after an 11-game absence, only to have his knee swell again. He'll head down to Bama. Come on, Bama! And see sports healing guru James Anderson, or James Andrews to get a second opinion. Uh, we know we know, uh, you know Andrews is, is big time. But yeah. I don't know. What? Isn't he the Tommy John guy? Like if you get Tommy John, you, he, you go see that guy. Anytime I know somebody's injured, his name is always in it. So he has to do something right. Joint, the joint Jesus. And and another thing, are the, <laughs> are the Bulls getting like bad karma? I don't know what's going on. It's almost it's still it's reverberations from the Tom Thibodeau era of playing them, uh, somehow playing them. For but you know what? That, that's probably it, man. Tibbs did not believe in uh, taking breaks, days off. And, you know, Jimmy Butler's ha- – I feel like this year was one of those years where you're like, okay, Jimmy Butler's the real deal. And and now he 
Jimmy, hope you get well. Well, man. Butler, you know, he was having issues earlier in the season getting adjusted to the new Fred Hoiberg offense, and so you wonder, as the Bulls struggle to stay above water in this Eastern playoff race, if, A, they can make it into the playoffs, and even if they do, how well they can all stay in sync with one another and try to get a, a playoff series victory. All right, finally, our final stop is in Detroit. The Pistons, Andre Drummond on the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. He talked about his struggles dealing with constant coaching changes during his career, but he likes Stan Van Gundy better than the rest because, and I quote Justin, he gives me the ball. (laughs) That's a great reason. I like this coach because he hands me the rock. We we all know how it is to play basketball, and and you have either the one ball hog on the team or, or somebody who doesn't pass. You know, like everybody doesn't want to score, but you at least want to have the ball in your hands. And you, you stay motivated when the ball – when you know you're going to get the ball, you stay sharp. But when you're just kind of running through the motions and you know you're not going to get the ball, that's no fun at all. We all want to touch the rock. Uh, absolutely. And Isn't that I why saw, we play the I game? I saw some things on Twitter about Kimba being a ball hog during this stretch. And I'm like, I'm, look, the guy has – he had seven assists last night. He had double-digit assists the other night. Like Nobody says anything about Russell Westbrook when he's out there hogging the rock. Uh, and no. God knows he can hog it. Well, but he also can dish out. What are he's you? having a he had like twelve assists last. I guess that wasn't a good one. Huh? I shouldn't have said. Had I shouldn't 20, have said twenty Westbrook. boards, twelve assists. Or yeah, that was, a, assists? that was a bad one. I shouldn't have said that one. Yeah. He, he's been balling. He's all right. All Sorry, right, let's, Westbrook. Let's stay in Detroit and let's preview this Pistons game coming up on uh, tomorrow night, seven p.m. The tip. Here's what you need to know: the Detroit Pistons are right outside the playoff bubble, but they're two games above five hundred. This is a good team that's well coached by uh, a friend of. Steve Clifford's and Clifford coached under him in Orlando. We're of course talking about Stan Van Gundy. They've got another great two man, small, big combo in all-star rebound machine, Andre Drummond, who is in contention certainly for a uh, most improved player and point guard, Reggie Jackson, who many thought along with Kimba got an all-star snub treatment in the East in their last matchup of this season, all the way back on December 7th, the Hornets busted a four-game Pistons win streak and beat them by 20, cleared the bench with about three minutes to go. And the way they did it, Cody Zeller got Andre Drummond in foul trouble early and finished the game as the Hornets' leading scorer, and all with quickness. You know, Cody's quickness against Drummond, you can get him in foul trouble. We've seen Cody get into foul trouble these past couple of games so he'll have to watch that as he attempts to guard Andre Drummond underneath but uh, Justin the Hornets couldn't be lucky enough to contain Drummond to nine points like they did in December could they I don't don't think that's going to happen again Um, you know I have an interesting viewpoint on this game okay Um, granted you've been a little higher than I have been on on the last two wins I would really like to see um, Kimball Walker not have a great shooting performance but I would like to see them win, and it's not because he scored 30. I think because they're already a confident bunch. You tell me, you know, Kimba scores like 16, but they win like a tough, gritty game. I think that'll do it for their confidence. I really think that game right there, they can say we can win when Kimba, when Kim, excuse me, when Kimba scores 30 plus, and we can win when he doesn't score 20. And I think if they can do that, I think that'd be great because Jeremy Lamb could, you know, they could use a little something from him. Lynn's shot has been strong because Marvin's been great also. So I would like to see Al step up a little bit. I'd like to see Jeremy Lamb um, do a little more and, and, and let Kimba be human and have a, 
a decent game and not have to score 30. And if they can win a game like that, I think that'll be a really impressive win and great for their confidence going forward. Well, the Pistons come into this game with a two-game winning streak, and they beat the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks, two Western Conference teams, two good Western Conference teams with star power. So they're coming into this game with a lot of confidence. And, you know, for the Hornets, it's like these past five games have been quizzes. But this game against Detroit, I think, is a test. This is a a, a midterm. Like you, you, they're going to really have to play well, and it, it really, I think, it all shapes up on the boards because, unlike the Hornets, the Detroit Pistons love to get on the offensive boards, and it all starts with Andre Drummond. Who, on that, I keep going back to this Mannix podcast. You, everyone should definitely. It's a very short interview with Drummond, but there's a lot of good information in there. But in this uh, podcast on the Vertical Network, uh, Drummond talked about how he had to become a great rebounder. It wasn't naturally, even though he was always a big guy, it wasn't naturally in his repertoire. And he had to develop an aggression. And and that really tells you what rebounding is all about. I mean, there's obviously going to be balls that come your way, you know, and and those uncontested rebounds. But but the, the important rebounds, the contested rebounds, Clifford talks about it all the time. You have to get first contact. You have to put your body on their body first. Move them where you want them to go as opposed to the other way around. And Drummond has talked about this season how he's been triple boxed out, quadruple boxed out, and you know he's just going to bulldoze. He's going to use his size, his strength, and he has a will that's stronger than most players to get rebounds. He he said in that podcast his goal – is to get 10 rebounds in the first quarter every game. He said he's done it a few times. But, like, when you're dealing with a guy like that, he's going to be aggressive. And if you don't bother to match that aggression, if you're Cody Zeller, and it's not just Cody Zeller. It's got to be Cody, Marvin. It's got to be Kemba flying in there for the defensive board. Everybody has to be aware and, and be aggressive on those defensive boards if the Hornets have any chance of winning this game. You know, I – you don't hear guys say things like that all the time. That, you know, rebounding, man, you got to want it. Mm-hmm. You have to want it. And just to go out there, like prime example, Dennis Rodman was not was not a, a big guy by any means of imagination. But the difference was, is he wanted it. And it takes a man to go out there and rebound. Ra- you know, Rodman, so it's like rebounding is – you can use your you you either have to use your physical tools or you have to use timing and and the the special elite rebounders can use both but and it's usually sort of a spectrum and i think rodman was more on the timing spectrum whereas drummond is a physical monster he's huge so he's just going to use his aggressiveness and and move again move you out of the way and go get that board he is huge. But yeah, it all starts with the one. It all starts with the will. And so, you know, everyone is going to have to be a bit. And what helped the Hornets in the last game, where I think the Hornets out rebounded them by double digits, it was because they got Drummond in early foul trouble. They made him work very hard on defense. And so that will be important to try to replicate that. And as we've already talked about, they're going to have to deal with pressure on Kimball Walker. There was one play in in that New Orleans game that I remember that I believe it was in the fourth quarter that they 
double-teamed Kimba Walker, and Kimba was able to swing the ball to Nick, and Nick moved it into the corner to Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin missed the three, but those are the kind of plays you have to convert. Get the ball out of the pressure, be available, and and get somebody in the corner. Uh, those will be, I think, you have to watch those type of plays. Watch the plays where they specifically key in on pressuring Kemba high above the key. You have to knock down that short corner three. Like, if they give it to you, you have to be ready to shoot it. You have to be ready there to will knock be, that there, down. Yeah, you're right. There's going to be less of a margin of error in shooting in in this game than there would have been against New Orleans because the paint's not going to be as open. You can't – the thing is – where they could be successful, I think, is if they find an opportunity to go small for a very short period against Drummond and, and, and force him out of the paint. But you know, the, that's a danger because then you, you know, on the other end of the floor, Drummond is not the most skilled offensive player, but again, he gets a lot of points on offensive rebounds. So you give that. It's a, it's a give and take. It, it's going to be – and you've got Clifford and Van Gundy, who know each other very well. It's, That's what makes this game interesting. It's a I chess it's, match. It's, it's almost – what do you say? Is teacher and, and pupil? A little bit, yeah. It, it has to be in, the, in that neighborhood. And and Clifford references him a, a lot. And I think it's really exciting because I know he's excited. You know, that that's his guy. So, you know, I know he's going to – this one's going to mean – you know, he won't say it means more, but if, for his team to go out and and play well – you know, and he was the reason for like putting them in situations to win and all types of good stuff like that. I he won't say see, it, but he'll he'll enjoy it. I could definitely see both teams finishing under a hundred points. Yeah, they, you you need one of them dog fights. I, I think this is going to be a dog fight. I think this is going to be a, a scratcher and a claw. And and what I'll be interested in. So the Hornets haven't used. They're one of the few teams that haven't used hacka strategy. And and Andre has been hacked. He's one of the main. It's uh. Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan are the two most hackered. No, them boys. But the Hornets haven't been hackered because uh, most of their players are, are competent from the free throw line. And they haven't used the strategy. And I don't know whether that's because they played the Pistons and they didn't, they didn't really have to use it, though, because they got up on the Pistons early and Andre was in foul trouble. So you wonder if Andre Drummond stays out of foul trouble and the Pistons get a 10-point lead – Will Clifford do it? I, that's, I'm gonna have to I, ask him that qu- tomorrow. That, ah, yes, that's do a, it. That's, I'm gonna have to ask him about that. Yeah, do it. That would be awesome. And we'll, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, Cliff old school. You know, he gonna he, you know, he don't believe in that. So I think that'd be a pretty good answer. I'm gonna have to listen, ask him about that. It's not about what you believe in. It's about you got to win. You got to get W's in in this playoff race because again, right now, uh, pulling up my 538 predictions. They have the Hornets projected with 46 wins, 97% chance to make the playoffs. What, you telling me the Hornets win 46 games after losing Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Twice. They lost Michael Kidd Gilchrist twice. That's, that is what you call, That's good, man. I don't care what anybody says. That's really good. Yeah. Absolutely. Like 46 wins. They win 46 games. I'm just going to sit there because, you know, I won't say his name. I will not say his name. Um, I. I have some decent relationships with national guys. And uh, there's one I speak to pretty often, a guy in, uh, with ESPN. And I told him before the season started. Got Van Pelt. Nope, not that guy. And he said, I told him, I said, hey, nope, basketball guy, but that's all I'm giving you. Stephen A. Smith. And I told him that <laughs> the Hornets, I felt the Hornets had the recipe to make the playoffs. 
he laughed at me and said, uh, okay, we'll see. He, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until they made the playoffs, and I'm going to ask him about it. He'll, he'll find a way to brush it off. Oh, you know what's a, an underrated storyline of this game? So the Pistons added Tobias Harris at the trade deadline. Yeah, Tobias is one of those guys that, that really dings up the Hornets slash Bobcats. Over, he's really done that over the years. And it's, it's one of those guys that always – like the only people that know about those guys are the home team's crowd or the home it. team's fans. Like every team has that those one or two or three guys. He's like, God, that he's coming to town. I don't you. want. I don't want to see him. And Tobias was was that guy for for Orlando, and so it, it will be interesting to see if if he is that way. I, I think you know the key to defending the key to defending Detroit. Two things: keeping them off the offensive boards and 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 limiting their second chance points, but also keeping the ball away from Andre and, and Reggie and trying to pressure them enough and force it out of their hands and make guys like Tobias and KCP, who is definitely not a developed shooter by no. any stretch of the imagination. He's still got a ways to go on his jump shot, make them take outside shots. And, you know, you talk about teams equipped to do that. And I think the Hornets are equipped to do that. Their defense is all about keeping you uh, out of the paint and, and shooting jump shots. So, you know, and, and a lot of it is a gamble. But you look at the defense over the past five games, they're a top three defense. I know we, we focused on the defensive struggles in New Orleans, but, you know, when you look at the bigger picture over the past five games, top three defense, and this season they've gotten that defensive rating back into the top ten. Because we talked about in December all the time how the Hornets were a top ten offensive team and, and a top ten defensive One team. One of five and, teams only. Right, and I think that the Hornets are inching closer and closer, getting back into that groove that they were in uh, early December where they have a balanced team. They're not going to be the greatest offensive team. They're not going to be the greatest defensive team, but they're going to have balance, and, and over four quarters, that's what's going to end you. you got to be able to do both. Great. Oh, oh, one last thing. Oh, man, we got just a few minutes left in the show. I almost forgot about the one last thing. So they mic'd up Marvin Williams. Marvin. Yeah, I think this was the first time that the Hornets had uh, mic'd up anyone. Fellow Tar Heel, for those who don't know. That's right. And I, I don't even I don't have the clip. So you have to go to Hornets.com. And I, I pulled a clip, but I, I didn't load it. So wow. Go, go what ahead. a what type of guys, what a ball. teaser was that? I dropped the ball. Hey, guys, but, wait, but wait, I have Marvin. Wait, I didn't upload it. Boo that man. But Ooh. listen, it was it was interesting because it's the first time that the Hornets have mic'd anyone up, and I thought, yeah, I thought like I don't know who I would want mic'd up because this is not a this is not a team that really has a a vocal star, someone that you know is. That's why I said we were surprised when Kimba did the shimmy. Because I want, I would say, I'd say. Al or Kimba? Al, yeah, I think Al. But Maybe Al will be out there talking a little bit. Listen, so I would like. Al I'll, I'll give that. it to Marvin. He was a, a he's a glue guy, and glue guys have to talk. He can't be a glue guy and not talk. And they say that MKG does the same thing. He's quarterback in the defense, and Marvin did that to an extent as well. He's just screaming. He's having a screaming commands year. like I've got AD. You stay up, and Nick, good. You know, he's all constantly giving um, kudos to his team teammates, and I just think it shows that this team. They're all connected. I mean, you look at a team like the Cavaliers, so much talent, and all we can talk about is LeBron and Kyrie. 
you know, I can't get along. I mentioned this to Bobby last night. I don't know if I've watched. I mean, I'm sure there's other teams, but of, of course I watch the Hornets the most. That the Hornets are thoroughly excited every time somebody scores a basket. Mm-hmm. If it's a hustle play, the guys on the bench are up clapping. And I think I think that's great because you can tell guys guys enjoy each other. They're playing for one another, not just stats. I love that. I think it. I th- I on it. I may have misheard, but I, I felt like I heard a ref almost like warn the Hornets that they had to get their guys on the bench to yeah, sit like, down. Yeah, like that's a great thing to have. Yeah, see, you want to be warned your about Your guys that. are excited and pushing their teammates. You don't see that a lot. Prime example, best team in the East, Cleveland. They can't stand each other. Well, the, listen, the everyone's excited. The The Hornets are excited. Fans are excited. And that was why we named this Air episode. Air Hugo's excited. Air Hugo's excited. That's why we named this episode, What a Time to Be a Hive. Very clever. Where's my... Oh, yeah, here we go. Let me try this again. Oh, what a God. time to be a high. Man, what a time. <laughs> perfect. Oh, yeah, well, not so perfect. Uh, we'll let that be it. That'll do it for us Hornets fans. Thanks to our guest, Adi Joseph. Follow him on Twitter, at Adi Joseph. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hive Talk Live for uh, live game updates and more. We live tweet every single game. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. Listen to ESPN 7:30 a.m. anytime, anywhere at ESPN730.com. For Justin, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.